It's a good day. It is a good day. Hey, if you're visiting with us, thank you so much for coming. If you're visiting from another country, which we have every week, uh, welcome to San Francisco. I hope you had a great time on your trip here. We've met several people from other countries already this morning. But uh, we do have a communication card right in front of you. If you are visiting, we would love it if you filled this guy out. And uh, right after our gathering here, on the other side of this wall, there's a couple of tables and a couple of smiling faces. Uh, if you would, drop this off at the table. They'll give you a, a gift card to a local coffee shop, a free little book for you to go get a book, that book, read it in the coffee shop, get yourself a nice warm cup of coffee on this cold summer day in San Francisco. Uh, but thank you so much for coming. We'd love to know more about you. Write down any prayer requests, any questions you may have, and uh, we will get in touch with you for sure. And if you call Bethel your home, or if you are on the adventure of calling Bethel your home, let me give you a couple of quick things. Uh, remember, guys, if you are a member, we do have a quick meeting after our gathering downstairs uh, today. And if you're like, hey, I want to be a member, what is that? Do I get a discount card? What's the deal with that? Uh, come see us. Email us. There's an email in our bulletin. You should have got a bulletin. And we would love to explain to you the joy of calling a particular church your church family. Also, we got something cool going on. Uh, Adrian has put together a movie night for teens, and uh, we will be hosting that Saturday, July 15th at 7 o'clock p.m. right here at the church. So uh, make sure you come. Make sure you bring a teen. Make sure if you're a teen, you bring a friend. We actually have two other churches that we're collaborating with on that night, and we're just going to do a massive, fun movie night. I have several adults who are asking if they can come. The answer is no. No, I don't know the answer. Email Adrian. Uh, I'm sure he would love to, but he's doing a great job. But we want to partner with other churches. We want to invest in the youth in our city and give them a community and a place to belong. Uh, they're going to show, I believe, a movie on this LED. That's why these adults want to come. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm pretty excited about that. Life-size human beings on that screen. Um, and they'll be doing a great devotion talking about Jesus as well on that night. So make sure you uh, either hit up Adrian. His, we have a, uh, an email in the bulletin. Or you talk to me after our gathering. And uh, bring a friend. Should be pretty good. And then also, let me just say a quick word about our community groups. On our website, I hope you are familiar with our website, we are building out a page for our community groups. You're like, what's a community group? Well, um, we believe that we are community projects as Christian people and as humans. We are designed to go through life together, uh, not isolated, not alone. Life is hard enough, and so when you go through life together with a group of people who love you, who believe in you, who are going through the same issues and finding beautiful answers in the Bible, it is powerful. So we have currently four community groups running. Uh, these groups meet in different homes. One of them actually meets here at the church once a month. Um, we are relaunching a community group that I personally lead, and uh, there's a group of about 10 or 12 of us. We try to keep these small because I want the opportunity to disciple you. I want the opportunity to teach you the ways of Jesus almost one-on-one -on -one, uh, in our very home right here in the mission. Um, so if you want to be a part of that, you want to plug in, it's a great time, it's a great night. Uh, we have these on different nights. In your bulletin, again, under community groups, there is an email address. 
Go ahead and shoot us an email. We'll contact you back, give you all the information you need to dive into one of these community groups. And again, it's probably my favorite uh, thing to do all week. And uh, man, if you're here and you're just like, hey man, I don't know where I'm at with life. I'm in school or I'm retired or whatever. I want to know your story. I want to know what's going on in your life. I had an amazing week with a lot of people, um, talking to them, hearing their stories out. And my thing is I want to empower people to do great things in the city, yeah? I want to give you a platform. I want to give you an opportunity after I learn your story to say, okay, let's use you in a great way. And uh, man, we all need that. We, we need that space. We need that opportunity. We need that backing and that support. So I want to talk to you and I want to know what your passions are. And I want you to get on board and catch the vision that we have here and help us build something powerful and beautiful. How does that sound? Can I get a hand clap? I just want to make sure we're fired up. I have one gear, and honestly, I almost hate to do this. All I do in preaching is I take these crazy journeys that I'm on with God, and I just dump them on you. How do you like that? And so I'm on this new, really intense journey with God. And if you're here and you're not even a Christian, I just hope you really grab a hold of this. God's been doing new things in my heart. Now that I'm here in San Francisco, it's been about a year now that I live in the city of San Francisco, like God is really beginning to open my heart in new ways about what I'm going to do with my life. Jeffrey alluded to it uh, a couple times this morning and, and uh, with our team before our, our, our gathering here this morning about kind of a halfway point through life. Um, so I had a couple of amazing things happen. I'm reanalyzing my life and what I'm doing with my life. And uh, I'm halfway done with my life. That's kind of cool and kind of freaky at the same time because I'm not trying to stay here forever, but at the same time, it's like, man, I got one shot at this life. At the same time, I'm looking at San Francisco, and uh, uh, how many of you guys went to one of the Summer of Love kind of days or nights? Okay, not many of you. Come on, it's San Francisco. We got to do this thing. So maybe you're like, you don't know what Summer of Love is, do you, buddy? Uh, maybe next year you'll figure it out. But I, I'm looking at the summer of love. I'm thinking about my own life. And I actually went on the website because it's such a big thing here in the city. And I begin to read their mission statements um, for the summer of love. I, I, begin to, I begin to read what this thing's all about. And I'm like, okay, I, I got to learn a little bit more about San Francisco. And guys, I got to tell you, I was staggered, absolutely staggered at what I read on the website for the summer of love for San Francisco. Here, here's what their mission statement said. It's the 50th year anniversary this year. Now, here's what their website says. The spring and summer of 1967 brought nearly 100,000 outsiders, activists, and dreamers to San Francisco. And like right there, I'm, I'm already like, it's resonating with me. I'm like, what? It goes on to say this. These young people traveled far and wide to join a community of artists, musicians, poets, and radicals who would change the world, influencing pop culture through music, through art, through peace, and through love, and ushering in an era of greater connectivity between human beings. Like, I'm reading this, you guys, and I'm like, that's the church, that's the gospel. That's Christianity. That's Acts 2. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Why do they get that? That's us. Why aren't we doing that? I mean, I could inject 2,000 years ago nearly 100,000 outsiders, activists, 
dreamers came to Israel. These, these young people, these old people traveled far and wide as a community of artists, musicians, poets, and radicals. And they met Jesus and they changed the world. They influenced culture through music, through art, through peace, and through love. And they ushered in an era that the world would never recover from connecting human beings with God. Like, is this Christianity? Is this not a description of biblical Christianity? Man, I'm reading this and I'm like, San Francisco's closer than anybody thinks to what God wants human beings to be like. It's amazing. Love. The summer of love. Here I am, analyzing my life, reading this mission statement on San Francisco's summer, summer of love. I'm looking at my own life. I'm walking by literally thousands of people each week and I'm asking myself, John, do you love? Like, do you love like this? I want to I ask you a question. Are you a lover of humans? You're like, no, not, like, I, I, I try to put up with humans. Are you a lover of humans? Man, I'm looking at my life. I'm looking at this mission statement. And I want to be a greater lover of humans. Because when I think of Jesus Christ, if I, if, I could, if I could try to capture this amazing person of Jesus Christ and what he did on the earth, I would have to sum it up with love. Thinking of San Francisco, thinking of culture, thinking of the world, thinking of Christianity and God. Look, the Beatles saying, all you need is love. The Bible says, God is love, and the world wants to be loved so desperately. And it was an act of love, one act of amazing love that radically changed this world forever. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God shows his love for us. Like Almighty God shows his love. I try to show love to my wife. I try to show love to my family. But when God who is love shows love, it changes the world. But God showed his love for us. Like God loved me and he showed how much he loved me. Well, how did you show it, God? In that while we were still sinners, while I didn't want anything to do with God, while 15, 16 years ago, 18 years ago, whatever it was, I was, I was lost, I was destroying my life, I was making the worst possible decisions, and I didn't want anything to do with God, I thought the Christian thing was weird, and God looked down and he said, John, while, while you're rejecting me and while you want nothing to do with me, I'm going to show you how much I'm hunting you with love. I refuse to give up on you, I know you're pushing away, but like a, a great father, I'm going to keep coming after you and I'm going to keep hunting you down to give you the best life possible. And he said, and here's how I'm going to prove how much I love you. I want you to look at the cross. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Like God is like, John, look, this is how much I love you. I want you to hear about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I sent him down there to die on the cross for you in your place. Like all the wicked things you've ever done in your life, John, which is like a lot Jesus Christ is going to pay the punishment, the penalty for you. He's going, to, he's going to take the bullet for you. He's going to wipe the whole thing clear so you can come back to me and you can be loved by me in new ways and become a new person. Like, I love you, John. Like, one act of love took this radical sinner and, and totally, totally reduced him down to a new person. 
I mean, you think of Paul on the Damascus Road, an early church father, and man, this guy was like a wolf. He was, he was angry, and he was mean, and he was hostile towards other people. And just like this, the power of love rocks him one day, and he turns him into a lamb. God just turns Paul right into a lamb. It's amazing the power of God's love. And as I'm thinking about that, like, Paul, Paul writes to this church in this city, and he goes, look, nobody has to teach you how to love. The love of God is shed abroad in your hearts. Like, this very, this very love that broke through all of my sin and all of my guilt and all of my anger and all of my pain and began to change me through the cross of Jesus Christ. All of that love, all of that power of that love is now inside of me. And God goes like this, John, I don't just want you to know my love. I want you to channel my love. Like, I want this love to pour through you on other people so their lives change. And man, look, I want to I tell you what I'm so tired of hearing. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna frustrate you into hope. I hear this every week by so many people. Like, okay, John, like I get it. Like I met with a lot of people this week and had a lot of great times and I, and I almost heard the same story over and over again. Like I get that, but you know, you don't understand what I've done. You don't understand where I've been and I, I gotta make a little progress before I can start really being serious. Like God can't use me in this state and that's all wrong. It's that very state in which you find yourself that God can use and work through his love. But here I am, this, this, this little broken man, and this amazing power of God's love hits me. And all I want to do now with my life, and if I could reduce it down, 38 years old, if I could reduce my life down to this right here, like I am praying, I am fasting, I'm focused. Like 5.30 this morning, I'm praying in my living room. All I want to do anymore is, is walk through this crazy city and love people. I want to be like a vessel that flows love out. I, I don't want to be a participant in destroying the world. I don't want to be a participant in making anybody's life hard anymore. I want to be a radical leader in healing people through showing the love of Jesus. I, I just pray that spills over to you. And so what we got to do, because most of us don't have a good model of love. If I'm like, hey, hey, God wants to use you so you can love people. Uh, you're like, I don't even know what love looks like. See, that's one of our problems here, guys. It's like we don't have a good model of what love looks like. And if you grew up like in a broken home or something, love may look really bad. If you didn't have, you, if you didn't have the right examples, love may look really bad. You're like, channel that love? No, no, no. I can't. I don't even know what love looks like. That's why Jesus is so important. Like, he's the perfect model. Like, he is love. So we look, we look in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are these narratives, these stories of this man, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And we can learn as we, we read about him, we hear preaching about him. We can learn as he comes in contact with all these different people on what it looks like to love people out there. And as we learn those things, God will teach us how to act on Monday and Tuesday as we come into contact with people. So my prayer is like, Jesus, just teach me how to love people. Like, I want to read your word. I want to read Mark. That's why I'm reading right now in the Bible. Like, I want to read Mark's gospel. Jesus, just show me how to love people. Like the homeless guy who keeps trying to attack me. <laughs> Whatever that is. Um, I want to love my wife more. I want to love that guy who works down at the coffee shop. Uh, I want to love that transgender guy down at the coffee shop. I want to love that, 
that immigrant in the mission that I keep talking to at the store. I want to learn how to love these people. I want to take earbuds out of my phone. I want to I be fully present with a human being. I want to lock eyes with them. And I want to have learned from Jesus, like, okay, here's the moment, John. Just, just like embrace this opportunity and now love them. Like be a life changer. Yeah. You guys are very quiet out there. You better be loving me. All right. I'm serious, guys. Like, this is a weird, weird time for me in a great way. Like, I'm locked in. I'm focused on this. Despite all the attention Jesus gets, like, you know, there's so much talk about Jesus, and there's, there's so many Christians, uh, and I'm happy about that. But despite all the attention Jesus gets, most people have little idea of what it looks like to live out his life of love. I, I'm just, I'm fully convinced of that. I think we love the Jesus who, who one time, or actually twice, you know, made a scourge, made a whip. Like, we, for some reason, like this, this idea of Jesus. But what is it for Jesus to love a little child? What does it look like for Jesus to work through me and love a child? What does it look like for Jesus' love to flow out from me and to love someone who is unsightly? Somebody who nobody wants to be around. Somebody who does not smell right or look right. Or somebody who looks right and works for a high-end company and yet is broken inside. They're ugly inside. What does it look like for Jesus to love through me and to love them? How do I learn that? And this is what God wants to teach this church. I, I, I mean, I don't care when I say I don't care. I don't care where you're at. God wants to speak through you his love. And this is the vision for this church. You say, what is this church about? It is about impacting our neighborhoods, our cities, our families, our neighbors. It's about walking down Valencia and learning how to love like Jesus in all of the hatred and all of the frustration going on in our culture. It's about us being the lover of souls as we walk down and meet people or we work next to people in a, in a, in a cubicle or whatever it is or you're carpooling or you, you hit up Uber and you got to get a ride somewhere and that driver's sitting there and that conversation happens. Our vision as a church is to become a community of people who radically love and show the gospel alive and powerful to human beings around us. So this is our journey. It's going to be a series for, I don't know, maybe eight weeks, seven weeks, something like this. It's going to be a summer series. And every week, all we're going to do is take Jesus Christ in the book of Mark, and we're going to watch him deal with another person. And every week, it's going to be a different type of person. And he's going to teach us through the Bible and the Holy Spirit how to love people. And hopefully, my prayer is that we go out and we actually begin to work this out. So jump to Mark 1. I want to I do uh, an introduction this morning, just a brief introduction. Go to Mark 1. We'll put these verses up on the LED. There's a Bible in front of you. There's an index in, in the front couple pages. If you want to grab a Bible and uh, find Mark chapter 1. But I want to I just introduce this series just a little bit because uh, this can be a bit overwhelming. You're like, whoa, I came in here and this is like drinking out of a fire hose. So slow down. Just give me, give me step one. I, I would like that too. I would like to know that Jesus wants to use me. And I, I'm coming in contact with all kinds of people. And I want to be a game changer out there. I want to change human life. Uh, I want to learn to love. I'm tired of judging. I'm tired of being critical. I want to learn to be a healer through love. So just slow down for me and give me a starting point. Okay, I'll do that. Mark chapter 1. And uh, I'm going to give you two thoughts this morning. You write them down or put them in your iPad or phone or whatever you brought this morning. Two thoughts as we intro this series. I'm going to show you one, the call to love. 
if you're here and you're a Christian, you are called to love. There is no distinction between Jesus calling you and saving you and calling you to love other people. It's one fluid act. It's one fluid experience in motion. So we're going to look at, first of all, the call to love. And then second of all, because it's going to be steep, it's going to feel big. And you're going to be like, dude, I got my own problems. You don't know my schedule. I'm working through things right now. So I'm not only going to show you the call to love, I'm going to show you the motive to love. Everybody needs a motive. Uh, Jesus gives a motive on why we should choose to be lovers above all things. Okay? So let's look at this first piece right here. I'm going to show you from Mark chapter 1. The call to love. We're going to look at verse 16. We're going to throw it up on the screen behind us. And I want you to get the scene in your mind. I want you to work this out in your mind's eye. I want you to get there. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mark opens up and shows the mission of Jesus Christ. The Son of God comes from heaven. He takes the form of a man. Love just invaded our world. I mean real love. I mean love that is powerful enough to alter history forever, and that's exactly what Jesus did. Love breaks into our world. It, it invades our world as Jesus comes as the very essence of love, and he takes the form of a man, and he grows into a, a 30-year-old, a 31-year-old, a 32-year-old, and he begins this mission. He begins to travel around these different cities, and primarily this massive lake, um, uh, the, the Sea of Galilee and these different areas. And he goes, he goes town to town. And if you could kind of visualize like Jesus going from San Francisco to Daly City to Pacifica and then back to Daly City and then to San Francisco again. And, and maybe he goes over to Oakland a little bit. And what he does is he goes around and he keeps showing his love. He keeps healing people and he keeps taking the have-nots and the broken and the oppressed and those who are pushed down because of racism and sexism. And he begins to, to empower them and lift them up. And he begins to love them and says, look, if nobody wants you, I want you. You, you come with me. I'm the great lover of souls. And man, pretty soon hundreds, if not thousands, begin to rally around Jesus because they needed love so bad. And pretty soon he had this, this small army, if you will, of followers who just wanted to know more of this belonging, this identity, and this love. This is the scene, and if you can imagine in your mind's eye, maybe the sun is going down, and Jesus is walking into this city, this town, and it's nestled next to this massive body of water, and uh, there's hills, a little bit like Daly City, um, kind of broken hills, not much vegetation, and uh, the wind is blowing off of the water. And there, there he is walking, almost looks like a homeless man with, with some rags and a, a long beard and, and a little unkept from the, the wilderness and his long journey. And he walks the dusty road into this city as the sun begins to go down. And what he's going to do is he's going to begin to rally a band of people. And, and nothing's changed, not even today. Nothing's changed. He looks down the hill as he's over this the city and he says I'm going to go into that town and I'm going to find me the most unusual group of people this band of broken people this have not group this motley crew of people that nobody would have ever guessed I'm not going to the I'm not going to the the seminaries and I'm not going to the colleges I'm taking the outcast and I'm going to gather me a group of lovers and I'm going to teach them what it looks like to, to love the world into into really a movement of healing and that's what we find in Mark chapter 1 verse 16 Passing along the Sea of Galilee. I mean, see it. See the wind blowing off the water. The sun's going down. He's walking along the shore. Nobody's really recognizing him at this point. And there's some guys as the sun is going down. Fishermen always fished 
uh, as the sun went down, the waters got cool, the fish rose to the top, and they would, uh, they would net the fish. So the sun is going down, and Jesus is walking on the shore of this massive body of water, and, and he looks over, and he sees Simon and Andrew, two brothers. And they're casting their net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Maybe not very religious, maybe, maybe not very smart, maybe not that put together. And he says, yeah, I'll take those two. What he says in verse 17 is so staggering. And Jesus, Jesus said to them, follow me. And God broke into our world. Jesus broke into our world to love the unlovely. But guys, here's what I need you to get. He needs to create a movement of love by recruiting human life. And see, Jesus Christ is in heaven right now and he wants to love people in the city. There, there are people in the city right now, like right now, who are so desperate, who don't know where to turn, who are totally isolated, who are totally alone, who have no money, who don't know anybody in this city, and they're ready to throw in the towel right now. You say, how do you know that? Because I deal with them every week. I get the phone calls every week. And what Jesus wants to do is he wants to rally a band of believers. And he wants to teach us to go out there and with him spread his love so those type of people don't throw in the towel, they find a whole new towel. They find a healing and a power. So that's what he's doing. He wants to gather a group of people. Look at Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. You say, you say what is he doing? By walking along that sea, what is Jesus thinking as he's scanning and he's looking at these fishermen? Well, here's what he's thinking. After John was arrested, a follower, doesn't matter, don't worry about it, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. That's what Jesus' love looks like. It looks like telling people this amazing story that he died for their sins and they can find healing, love, acceptance, and identity forever and ever if they'll accept Jesus as their Savior. They'll have peace with God. This is what Jesus went around saying, and this is what he wanted to train a bunch of people to do. This is what love looks like at its very basic level. Verse 15, and saying, the time is fulfilled. Love is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. This is what it looks like when God rules. Repent. Turn from rejecting me. Stop rejecting my love and believe in the gospel. Like you say, what does it look like, look like to love people? Well, it looks like a lot of things. It looks like a lot of uh, basic humanitarian things. But at its most powerful level, it's introducing people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus wanted to train a bunch of radicals on how to follow him and love people that way. And I love the word, the gospel. You guys hear me talk about the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. And you're like, can you kind of flesh that out? Like, what is the gospel? It's not even a Christian word. Like it was used by Roman generals, it was used, used by Caesar uh, as, as a term that meant good news. You see, when Caesar would go in and he would crush down cities, it was the gospel. And people would go back to Rome and they would proclaim the gospel, the good news, that Caesar destroyed another city and he took over. So what Christians did is they stole that little word and they said, no, Caesar's not king, Jesus is king, and we're going to add a little piece to it. It's, it's the good news of joy that the real king has come and he's conquered through the cross and he brings life and joy and peace and healing. We are to go out into the city and we are to spread as a summer of love, the gospel, the love of Jesus Christ, that Jesus, Jesus was crucified so people can find life. And if you think of all religions, guys, including no religion at all, here, here's what they say. 
Here's what society says. Here's what people are struggling with out there. Here's what religions are teaching. Like if you do enough, if you become good enough, you can earn acceptance, love, value, and find peace. If just if you can get good enough. But what you'll find through religion or doing it through trying to gain wealth and notoriety through, through working at a startup or whatever it may be is you can never quite own up. You can never do good enough. It's an exhausting treadmill. And the reason that the gospel is good news is because Jesus goes like this. You can stop trying to perform to earn. You can stop trying to perform to earn people's acceptance, to earn God's acceptance, to earn love. I need you to rest. I need you to actually stop performing and trying to be good enough. And I need you to start believing in me being good enough for you and dying on the cross for you. And through that act, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a new identity. Like, if you'll believe in me, I'll call you a child of God. Like, you'll belong to God forever. And you'll never have to earn it. You'll never have to work for it. And you can rest in what I did in performing in my life on the earth for you. Like, yeah, I'll totally liberate you. Jesus did it all. And guys, man, I'm telling you, people need to hear this message. Like, people today need to hear this message. Um, any Lord of the Rings fans? <laughs> okay, that's better. I keep throwing up these great movies that I see images of Jesus in, and you're like, nah, I'm not a fan. And I'm like, ugh. Um, Lord of the Rings, great, great books. Um, Tolkien, fantastic, fantastic mind. Um, there's, this, there's this quote in the book, and, I, and Tolkien, uh, in The Return of the King, he's, he's working Jesus out through that story. You see, the people are being destroyed by darkness and evil, an evil empire. And uh, a king is raised up, and nobody recognized the king. He was living on earth, but he was living just as a, a ranger in the woods. He wasn't, he wasn't coming forth with a crown or dominance, and he slowly was revealed as the true king. And everyone knew that when the king returned, the king would lead the army to destroy darkness and give the world peace. It's a picture of Jesus. And so a battle ensues and there's all these broken people and there's all these slaughtered people and all these wounded people. And this nurse in the book, The Return of the King, says these words, the hands of the king are healing hands. And thus shall the rightful king be known. See, I, I like cry when I read Tolkien. Like all these people are looking for healing hands. They're looking to religion, they're looking to money, they're looking to San Francisco cool stuff and all, you know, all this other stuff. Is it wrong? No, it's not wrong, but it doesn't have the power to heal. Like, we look to relationships and we think, well, if I could just have this or I could just attain this. Not look, we got to get people to the king. He's got healing hands. And thus shall the rightful king be known. See, that was my life, like the nurse is speaking to me. Like, that was my life. I looked for healing hands everywhere. I looked in performance, and I, I was trying to go pro playing baseball, and I was trying to be the hero of my family. And then I was trying to do it through IQ and school and all this stuff, and it was like, nothing's healing me. These hands, these hands called baseball and money and a pretty wife and all these things, they're not healing me. And just like the nurse says, like, if you could experience the healing hands of the real king, you would know he's real. And when I came up empty, I walked into a church for the first time in my life, and I had this pastor telling me, look, these are the hands you've been looking for. Let them heal you. She goes on to say, let's take him, the king, the healer, into the house of healing and see if he can heal some people. I just love that. He's like, man, we can't bandage up all these people. That's what the nurse says. Like, we can't heal all these people. Let's get the king here. 
Let's get him to heal all these people and they'll know that he's the real king by his healing power. Man, that's what, that's what we're called to do. Like we need to get people to Jesus so they can experience his healing hands. So like what's the strategy? Like here we are, 2017, in the coolest city in the world. How do we do this? If Jesus is trying to kind of rally us up, if he's walking, not on the edge of a lake today, but he's walking on the edge of this platform and he's looking at you and he's looking at you and he's looking at you and he's going, drop your nets, follow me. I'll make you lovers of men. Man, I'll use you and my love will work out from you and you'll change a human life out there. He's just walking by, just like, just like the Sea of Galilee, he's looking at you. He's like, drop these things. Make this your passion. All right, Jesus, what does it look like? What's your strategy? Check this out, guys. You're like, where do I start? Okay, I would love to do this. Where do I start? Look at Mark chapter 1, verse 16. Passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Now, let me work that out a little bit. He goes, you're so focused on your careers, guys. You're so focused on your vocation. And back then, uh, your vocation was, was your identity. You know, you were a, if you were a fisherman, like that was the family job that everybody kind of fell in line with. And that was your identity. You're like, I'm a fisherman. And Jesus goes like this. Man, if you'll just let go of that identity and you'll be used to me, I will make you rescue human beings and it will be far greater than you ever dreamed. Now here's what he's saying right here. How is that gonna work? He's gonna teach them charity. He's gonna teach them, he's like this, watch what I do when I walk into a broken town of broken people and there's a leper sitting there, there's a blind man sitting there and there's a very wealthy guy who's totally empty in his soul right there. Watch what I do. I'm gonna first do good to them. I'm just gonna bless them. And this is why so many times Jesus would heal people. He wouldn't just come in and say, you know, repent or you're going to hell. Like he would do something good. He would love them. He would do some, some small act of kindness to get their attention, to build some form of trust. And then he would begin to explain the gospel to them. He's gonna teach these fishermen in those calloused, brutal hands that hit first and thought second, how to slow down, how to get in the skin of people, how to see needs, how to see loneliness, how to see brokenness, and somehow just get into the life of that person for a moment and fill a need. Watch what happens if you'll just learn to fill needs out there. If you'll just, if you'll, I was in a store. We were going out to dinner with a really cool couple that we just met, I think on Friday. And we walked into a store, and guys, it's just this. I'm not a real people person. You're like, what are you doing up here? <laughs> I'm not even a real big people person, but here's what, here's what happened. There's this kid, and he's working in this store. It's a real funky store, and we're just hanging out and messing around and looking at stuff. And uh, I just said this, how are you doing? <laughs> you know how badly people want someone to ask them how they're doing? Like he's not a speck anymore. He's a human. Like someone noticed me. And I'm like, how you doing? <laughs> 10 minutes later, all I was doing was this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I got his whole life story and I'm, I'm very glad for that. He told, he's, he's just pouring it out. I'm here for school and I got this girlfriend, but I, I don't really know what I'm doing. And I, I think I'm, I have to go back to the Midwest, but I want to be here and I feel liberated here, but I'm still searching. And I'm like, 
oh man, this is amazing. I was just able to begin to fill a small need, just tap into this guy just a, just a little bit. And, that, and that's all Jesus is saying. And you know what charity is, guys? That's the first step. That's what he was trying to train these guys. You know what charity means? Like just doing an act of charity. It's not, it's not writing a check. It means to build a partnership with somebody in need. Like I want to find someone that I can build a partnership who has a need. Like at a coffee shop or who sleeps on the street or who works for Google. Because everybody's got them. I just want to find that person and I want to show charity. I want to build a partnership. Like I'm going to invest in this person's life and just build a friendship. And honestly, no strings attached. I want to get to know them so I can do good to them so they can know this Jesus. That's it. Man, in a city like San Francisco, these needs are everywhere. Love. Build a partnership with somebody. And I think the biggest need that people have, guys, the biggest problem in humanity is loneliness. Please mark my words. It's loneliness. It's the feeling of being just unwanted. It's the most terrible feeling in the world. And just to show an act of love, a partnership by being there, just talking to somebody, just befriending somebody. This is the call. This is what Jesus was doing when he's gathering these guys on the Sea of Galilee and he's going, follow me. Watch how I build these relationships with all these people and begin to build trust and just love them. Just hear their stories and be with them. From a woman who has an issue of blood, she's internally bleeding, she's dying, to a woman who's lost her husband and her son and she's widowed and she doesn't know what to do, to the guy who's buckled under the, the oppression of racism. I'm going to go build a friendship with every one of them so they have someone who they know cares about them so I can tell them the love of God. Fishers of men. <laughs> I will make you fishers of men. I'm thinking, why? why? Like, Jesus is so crafty with this. I will make you fishers of men. They're fishing. I will make you fishers of men. You see, to a, a Jew, guys, listen to me very carefully. To a Jew... The sea, the sea, the Sea of Galilee, but the sea was a very scary place. It was dark. It was chaotic. The sea represented chaos, darkness, death. And here's what Jesus is saying. I will empower you to rescue people from the darkness, the fear, the chaos of loneliness, of isolation, of seeking love and identity in all the wrong places. I will actually use you in your broken state as a channel of my love to show them that they don't have to pursue those things anymore. They can find me and find all the love that they can ever need. You will pull people out of the dregs, out of the, the nasty, violent seas of this world and show them how to put their feet on solid ground and how to be loved forever. Like, that's your call. I mean, what are we going to do? Are we a church? What are we going to do? I mean, that's where I'm at in my life. Like, I'm going to get after this. That's the call to love. Maybe you're here and you're like, all right, I get it. I need a motive. That's a lot. Um, we always get on the uh, standing on the table with the megaphone all fired up during a sermon type thing. And we're like, yeah, I'm feeling it. And I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to go to Aris Mendes. And I'm just going to like love someone like right on the spot. And, and we get that high. But that high begins to, to fade just a little bit, you know, come Monday or Tuesday. So it sounds good, but maybe you're asking yourself, why should I do this with everything going on in my life? It's enough just to take care of myself. Why, why should I do this? It sounds scary. I, I can't take any more burdens on. 
Well, I want you to think of the 12. I want you to think of those followers on that Sea of Galilee as Jesus walked by and he said, hey, I want you guys to follow me. I'm going to teach you how to love human beings. Now, we always hear these sermons on this passage, and it's like this. They immediately drop their nets and they follow Jesus. You do the same. And we're like, dude, I just got out of school and I'm looking for a job. You're telling me to drop the application and like go love people? Not happening. That's not what's happening here. Listen to me carefully, you guys. This is the third calling that Jesus has had with these guys. He has spent months with these guys. Um, the first time Jesus meets these guys, if you, put, if you put Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all together and you made one big narrative, one big story, here's what it looked like. Jesus came and he introduced himself to these guys, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. And he goes like this. I want to teach you how to love people. Tomorrow I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you out for a few hours and you're going to watch me connect with people, fill needs, and show people that there's a, there's a better way of life through God. And so he shows up the next day and he takes them out for a few hours and then he takes them home. And they're all fired up and they're all, oh man, that was amazing. We want to do this. We're ready, Jesus. And Jesus is like, no, you're not ready. I'm going to take you on a journey. You're just going to take baby, baby steps here. He goes, just go home. Go back to work. I'll be back next week. He comes back next week and he, guys, he goes, guys, okay, we're going to go out tomorrow again. We're going to go love people. I, I've met some people that are broken down the road. We're going to go love them, okay? And he's just like inching them along. That was call one. And then he goes like this. He comes back one day after they've been doing that a while and he goes, hey, I want to take you out for a, a couple weeks. I want you to pack some clothes and we're going to go out for a couple weeks. We're going to go down to this city down here where there's a lot of hurting people and I'm going to show you what it looks like to love. And he spends a little more time with them. They do that for a while. And he goes, go home. After a while, go home and go fishing. Just go back to your jobs. It's all good. Then after so many months of doing this, six, eight months, he finally goes to them and he goes, guys, you're ready for the final stage. I want to take you out for good. So God wants to take you in baby steps. He wants you just to speak to someone right now. He's not asking you to quit your job. He just wants you to begin the journey. And that's what uh, Mark 1.17 means. And Jesus said to them, follow me. Now here it is. And I will make you become fishers of men. I'm going to help you begin the journey and be becoming this follower of Jesus, this lover of souls. It's, it's going to be a long process. I'm going to inch you along because it's, it's a scary thing to do. But I got to think as they went out for a day with Jesus and then he brought them back. And then he brought them out for another day and then he brought them back and then he brought them out for a couple weeks and, and they went back to fishing. And if you think about it, Peter, Peter comes back from this amazing experience. Like, I watched Jesus love people. I watched Jesus take a child who nobody wanted and he put him on his leg and he said, man, if you despise this little one, it would be better for you just to put a stone around your neck and dive into a lake. Love them. Love them. Care for them. These are mine. And Peter with his big, calloused hands you know he's like man I, I gotta relearn how to love these children and tell them a, the great story of God's and then he would go home after catching children and catching people with with God's love he would go back to fishing and he would throw that net out and you got to think he probably thought to himself man this isn't doing much for me anymore like I keep throwing this net out I, I, I keep pulling fish in but I keep thinking about catching people I, I keep thinking about loving people I mean, what convinced these guys to make loving people their passion over everything? 
They had to wrestle with the experience, man, of like, it was the greatest feeling in the world when I was engaging with that human being and loving that human being. And every time I go back to my normal job, I just long for that experience again. Man, am I going to fish? Am I going to change human life? These guys eventually realized that Jesus' call to love others was actually saving their lives. You know why? Because if your life is just down to what you do, how much money you make, or whatever it may be, it is like losing your life. So by Jesus saying, I want to give you a new priority, and it's loving human life, your second priority is going to be all these other things, job, marriage, all this other stuff. He was actually saving their lives, saving them from wasting their lives. And I think they realized what Jesus was doing in 118, and immediately they left their nets and followed him. They're like, man, I've experienced what this is to love Jesus, to love people, to see human life changed, and I would drop everything because it's the greatest feeling in the world. I love verse 19, and going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boats mending their nets, and immediately he called to them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed Jesus as well. Like dad, who's, who's running the company, he looks over, and his two boys are like, dad, we gotta go. I, I love the family business. I love you. We'll be back. This is the greatest thing in the world. And let me just speak to you guys. We'll shut this down. Let me just speak a word to you guys because uh, San Francisco is the place where you come to find yourself. You come to find career. You come to find spouse. You come to find freedom. And, and none of that's wrong. I speak from experience when I say this. These guys fishing, as good as they were at it and as well known as they were because of their success, their job was not able to fulfill their thirst for purpose. It wasn't. It wasn't big enough to sustain it. You see, they had a means to live. They were making money. They had a means to live, but no meaning to live for. We need a meaning to live for. The means to live is a secondary thing. I know that's crazy. You're just going to have to wrestle with that. I need a big purpose to live for, and following Jesus and loving people is it. And Jesus is not saying, quit your job. Here's what he's saying. He's going, I want your priority to be loving people, your job, your travel, where you go this summer is only the vehicle in which you're going to love people through. That's why I gave it to you. I'm trying to get you to meet people. I'm trying to get you. I got this person who works down at Yahoo. I got this person who works for Uber. I got this person who's unemployed and they're down at the unemployment office and I need to get my love to them. So what I do is I get you a job at Uber. I get you down at the unemployment office. I give you a nasty cold so you can, you can go to the, the hospital, as crazy as this sounds, because there's a nurse there who's so on her last leg. You see, it's all just a vehicle. The primary goal of life to be a follower of Jesus is to work through these avenues and find people who Jesus is trying to love. All gifts, all talents, all jobs, all neighborhoods, all cool apartments, all passions, all pleasures, God puts in our hearts. And they're all designed to connect us to somebody who's seeking the love that they need to heal their heart. See your story, guys, wrapped in the story of another. 
And just think about this. As you're walking down the road, as you're going home, as you're going out to your car, as Tuesday and Wednesday hits, every so often, hear my voice, every so often the broken parts of our beautiful world find their way to our lives. Every so often, some broken yet beautiful human life finds their way into our lives. And we get to choose whether to let it in and love it back to life or let it pass us by. And these guys were not going to let it pass them by as they were throwing their nets, making a lot of money. They weren't going to waste their lives. Yeah, we'll be back to fishing. But the life worth something is one that changes humanity. And we're not going to let this slip by. You guys remember the story I told you about the homeless guy who chased me down Valencia a couple blocks swinging at me? Yeah. I see him almost every day. And I'm, I'll tear up right here. I do that when I get attacked. <laughs> like, this life is so crazy. So I'm, I'm out of time, but it's all good. Um, I see this guy like every day on Valencia. And... Uh, Pastor Terry over at Cornerstone has ministered for this guy, ministered to this guy for like 10 years. And he's like, John, this guy's the sweetest guy in the world. And he's like, I'm like, why does he attack me? And uh, I see him and I actually cross the street now <laughs> when I see him. And then once I get by him, I cross back over. And I'm just like, no, I'm, I'm not doing this. Like, I'm, I gotta love this guy. And if this guy does something to me, and you're probably gonna think this is crazy, I don't care. I, I, I'm done. Like, I'm going to love this guy. Like, Jesus gave his life for people. And you know, if I get, <laughs> I guess if I get hit a couple times, it's all good. And so I'm just like, I'm, I want to pray for this guy. I want to love him. If he's going to change, if he's going to experience a miracle, he's got to experience love. And uh, ritual coffee is not ritual coffee. It's a vehicle that I go to to meet people. And so I'm like walking out Valencia with a couple and we're going, we're going out to eat on Friday night and there he is. <laughs> and I'm trying to be cool. I'm not, I'm not going to cross the street because I got this couple I just met. They're just awesome people. And I'm like, you know, it'd be kind of weird to be like, guys, I know this is kind of weird, but can we cross the street for a minute? Because <laughs> this guy's there and it's like, no, I want to love the unlovely. Like I just, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of avoiding this guy. This is my world. <laughs> And uh, we're, the, four, the five of us, we're walking, we're walking by him, and he goes like this. He looks at me, <laughs> and he goes like this, will you buy me a cup of coffee? And I'm like, there's the moment. There's the fisherman moment. Jesus is saying to me, John, follow me. Catch men. Love this guy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you don't even know how the story ends. <laughs> Oh, man. And so, you know what I did, you guys? Just being the great pastor, right? I, I walked right by him. <laughs> and I did the, the thing where I pretended I didn't hear him. And I, walked, I was about five feet talking to this new friend of mine. And I just said, man, can we just stop? You know, and he's like kind of looking at me. And I'm like, I'm sorry. And I just turned around. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And I'm like, hey. And I'm really nervous. I go right up to him. And I'm just like, hey, guy that attacks me, can <laughs> I'm like, what can I do, man? How can I help you? And he's like, can I buy you a cup of coffee? Can, can, can you buy me a cup of coffee? And I'm like, 
yes, yes, I want to buy you a cup of coffee so bad. And so <laughs> I'm so happy you're not hitting me right now. And I take him into ritual and I buy him a cup of coffee and I'm like, how are you, man? How are you doing? And he's like, I'm okay, I'm struggling. And, and I'm like, I love you, you know? And he's now thinking like, I should hit this guy. He's getting weird on me. But I'm like, man, I, I love you and I see you all the time and I just want to help you. I want you to know, like I'm John and I just want to help you. I just want to help you. Like I'm not letting that moment go again. We got, man, life is short. Follow me. Love these people. It's nearly impossible to find, you say, what's the motive? Purpose, purpose. There's no feeling like this in the world. It's nearly impossible to find purpose in life while avoiding others. I read that quote and I hate that. (laughs) It's almost impossible to find purpose in life by avoiding others. God has made us in the image of Jesus and Jesus' purpose was to come and rescue humans through love. And I'll find my purpose, I'll find my fulfillment when I follow him and trust him. Just like Peter did on that that lake as he dropped the net and he said, fishing's good, it's all good, but it's gotta become secondary. This world needs to know the love of Jesus. Uh, I love Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, Whatever you believe about his politics or even his theology, I love his heart. And I'm gonna close with this. I, I just want you to stare at this for a minute. I read this quote, I've read this quote many a time, and I want to end with this. He wrote, I am not who I am supposed to be until you are who you're supposed to be. I am not full. I am not the person I'm designed to be until I enter into someone's life who's hurting and I help them become the person God has designed them to be. Some are love. Let's go after it. Jesus is calling us. Follow him. Let's pray. I just want to give you some room this morning to pray this out. Like he just wants to use you so much. If he can use me, he can use you. Why don't we pray together this morning? God, give us, just give us faith. Help us to stop making these unnecessary things our priority. Just pray, God, help me to see my job, my commute, where I live, as simply a vehicle to meet someone. Make this a summer love. Would you even dare to pray, God, Would you bring someone into my life this week and just help help me, help me connect with them. Pray that for me. Pray that for God. Pray that for your own fulfillment. And if you're here this morning and you are, you, you feel like you're in that dark sea, no purpose, life's chaotic, and you do not know this amazing Savior, I pray right now that you would, just as Jesus said, that you would repent and believe the gospel, that you would stop rejecting Jesus, and that you would believe he loves you.
And he wants to forgive you. He wants to save you. That's why he died on that cross and rose again. The best way you know how this morning, where you sit in the quietness of your own heart, why don't you ask him to save you and forgive you? Tell him you want to know his love. Do that this morning. Guys, if you're here and you're a believer, life is a vapor. We do not know what tomorrow holds. Use that for your joy. Shake off the fear of people. Let them look back on your life. See, that, that guy, that girl, man, they love me. They made a difference. They were just my coworker. They were my brother. They were my, they were my dad. But man, they love me. Jesus is walking through this auditorium. Just like the Sea of Galilee. Man, he's looking at you. And he's telling you, trust me. Put down those things. Follow me. Man, I'll make you, I'll make you a difference maker out there. I'll give you purpose. Just take a step and trust me. Let's do it, guys. Let's respond to him. We will not find fulfillment and purpose like we will in following Jesus and helping this world. Let's just break this thing wide open. Let's pack this place out with people who we love, we found, we connected with, and we, we brought here to know this God. Let's shake, let's, let's shake the dust off. Let's mobilize. Let's move. Let's be followers of Jesus. Pray it out.